everyone, and welcome to Bad at Lies, um, a podcast by me, Monique Touche. If you are new to this podcast, I want to first say thank you for coming and hearing what I have to say. If you are a returning subscriber, I want to say thank you so much for coming back. I have been on quite a hiatus over the past few months, and I really appreciate you all coming back and supporting me and hearing what I have to say. With that being said, um, you know, this this channel is a channel in which I talk about healing and self-development. And if you're new to the channel, make sure you check out my previous episodes where I talk a little bit more about those things. But this specific episode is going to be very different than my past episodes and probably very different than my future episodes will be. I recently dealt with a very intense loss of my son's father and it's been a really difficult thing to process and one of the things that I do in order to process is write and so recently I was going through all of my writings and I just have a room full of papers and notebooks that I don't know what to do with so I decided that since this channel is about healing I felt it would be appropriate for me to pull back the curtain and give you guys a glimpse into my healing process and what I've been doing to kind of deal with the grief that I've been suffering from. So this episode is going to be me reading excerpts from my notebooks and from the writings that I've been doing over the past um, few weeks and some stuff from before as well. Um, but as I said, it's it's going to be structured a little bit differently than my past episodes. So if you don't like it, that's okay. Um, I'll go back to the normal format in the future. Um, but again, I just wanted to kind of do something with this writing because it is powerful to me and I think it's powerful for people that are going through any type of processing of trauma. I also want to give a trigger warning before you know we jump into things I will be discussing some pretty difficult topics including abuse alcoholism suicide um, and just trauma in general so without further ado here is my episode and this episode is dedicated to Dwayne love someone so much it hurts so much that you're willing to compromise parts of you so much that you make promises you shouldn't keep so much you're just bursting at the seams so much that you make impossible possible the unfathomable fathomed why I loved you like that with every inch of my being I would have given the world had you let me even after you left me I met someone in college. I was 18, he was four years older. It wasn't a whirlwind romance. There weren't any butterflies. We got along, enjoyed each other's company. He was a good guy, Mormon, ambitious, law school bound. We got married and moved to DC. We went through life, going through the motions. My heart was content, but never full. 
It was stable. It was all right. Well, eventually I realized it was not enough and things ended. A few months later, I met Dwayne. Dwayne was simple and sweet. He reminded me of those little hard butterscotch candies. The ones wrapped in yellow cellophane. The flavor is easy on the taste buds, not complex, just smooth and oddly comforting. It's made up of hard layer after hard layer, but they're all equally as sweet. Never any surprises or bursts of new flavors, just the quietly sweet butterscotch. You'll usually find them in a candy bowl at a bank or at an old lady's house. People usually pick around them, choosing something with more spice or more variety. But on the off chance they grab a butterscotch, they realize how warm and satisfying that little candy wrapped in yellow cellophane actually is. I've always loved butterscotch, a fact I often got made fun of for. Who goes to the store and buys butterscotch? I like the simplicity of it. The way it tastes like sweetened milk just warmed my heart. Isn't that the point of candy? To make you feel good? not to be complicated or difficult to decipher. I've always loved butterscotch, and I never stopped. The weirdest thing about grief is how it comes. I've seen grief bombs, where you'll be sitting, talking, and then your brain reminds you out of nowhere, and you zone out going down the rabbit hole of pain and memories. Or there's the time you're going about life as normal, carrying on conversations, but the whole time your brain is screaming, he's dead. It's so loud, everyone else should hear, but they're just going about life, so I guess I will too. Or the moments when you see them, hear them, hope to see them. Or how your brain tells you just to call, to check your email, and that maybe they'll pick up this time. But for me, the worst part is nights, when you're all alone and the moon comes up, You try so hard to sleep, but every fear, every pain, every piece of sadness comes bubbling up. You don't know what to do, where to put it. You wonder if this is how he felt. Is this why he did it? What if this happens again? Just someone different. Why didn't I see it? Could I have stopped it? Why? Your mind starts playing back scenes like a movie. You can't control what comes and goes. Sometimes they're happy. A lot of times they're bad. And then the hardest part, the stuff you don't know, the big question mark in your head. Your brain tries to answer by filling in the blanks. You start seeing it as if you were there, as if you know all the details, all the answers, but you don't. It's just your mind playing tricks. And what a cruel joke. I met Dwayne on April 7, 2019. It was a Sunday and we met up for a coffee date. I had matched with him on a dating app. He was handsome and sweet. We agreed on coffee, and if we hit it off, we would grab something to eat afterwards. I had recently gotten a new car, and I needed to put my license plate on. On his way over, I texted him and asked if he had a screwdriver and could put my plate on my car. He said he might have something that would work. When we met in the parking lot, he had a tiny Phillips head bit, the type you put in a drill. I looked at him crazy. He told me if the screw wasn't in too tight, which it usually isn't on temp tags, the bit would work just fine. We both tried, but it was pretty obvious that the screws were far too tight and the bit was far too small. I laughed it off and chalked it up to first date nerves. Later I learned that that was just Dwayne. 
His time as a tank mechanic taught him that tools can be used a variety of ways. He would MacGyver just about anything. He looked at a problem in a way I never would and he would come up with some of the most creative solutions. Had I given him another five minutes, I bet he would have gotten my plate replaced. When we got to Starbucks, he ordered a caramel macchiato frappuccino. I ordered an iced chai. I giggled at his drink that he sipped with ease. He smiled and said, it's good, you ever try it? I hadn't. I was impressed though. I'd been on a few dates at this point and here's this big handsome army guy sipping on a very pretty, very fluffy drink, enjoying every taste. I would go on to learn that Dwayne approached life the same way. He was unafraid to say what he liked, what he wanted, what he believed. There was zero shame in his game. When people would shoot him a judgmental look or a questionable comment, he would respond, it's 2019, even when it was 2020. I love that about Dwayne. He didn't care about people's judgment, except his family's. And he didn't judge others, especially his family. I loved that about Dwayne. I felt like that trait alone made him father material. I regret never telling him that. I think he would have liked that. We talked for some time, and after our cups were empty, I liked him. He was handsome, funny, and very interesting. He knew how to keep up with conversation while also knowing how to stop and listen. We went shopping for a bit. He was quiet and patient as I filled my arms with clothes. He laughed and said he'd be in the men's section. He bought a pair of gray chinos that were very flattering on him and he wore often. I bought half the store. He was patient the whole time, never left, never got annoyed. It's strange now remembering back, but Dwayne was incredibly patient with me until one day he wasn't. I'll always wonder if that was a sign of what was to come. If him losing his patience, such a staple part of his personality was because I was so annoying or because he was really struggling to hold it together. As I go through this grieving process, I realize how confusing life is and how easy it is to get lost in your brain without any hope of getting back out. Patience is an easy one to let go. When you're desperately trying to make sense of a world you're not sure you even want to make sense of anymore. I wish I could have told him that too. Maybe it would have helped some. After shopping, we went to eat barbecue in the city. That part of the day, I always remember the least. I don't know why. I think we both already had our mind made up about each other. At least I did. I liked him and I liked him a lot. I drove back to the parking lot where it all began. He kissed me goodnight and we never stopped talking again. The longest I've ever gotten without talking to or hearing from Dwayne was 10 days. And on the 10th day, I found out why. Things I don't understand. How he died. Why he didn't reach out. Why are we being erased? How to feel about him. Why I feel so alone. Why did he do what he did when I left? Why people aren't helping me more. Why I feel so alone. Is this all my fault? Will I ever be a good mom? Is he really dead? Why am I convinced he's still alive? What do I do now? What do I need to do to feel better? Why am I so scared? Why am I so angry? Why am I so sad? What day is it? Don't cry. Do not cry. 
It'll only make people wonder, make them uncomfortable by your tears. Oh, her ex died, shot himself. I know, so sad. Don't make them have to explain your tears, justify your grief. We don't need to tell the story tonight. Just smile, everything is fine. It'll pass soon, it'll pass soon, I hope. Sometimes I wish the world knew that every time I stepped into a room, everyone knew I was grieving, that they knew how you went, how you wrote those nasty words to me in the end. I wish everyone tiptoed around me, that they didn't make comments or say words that might trigger your face to flash across my brain, that they wouldn't play music or movies we used to enjoy together. I bet the bubble boy preferred the bubble once it was gone, to never be touched by the triggers again, to never be reminded of him or his death again. Grief is more powerful than any drug. The way a single word, song, even smell can carry me deep into the recesses of my mind, to things I'm devoted to forget, and then it twists and turns, always finding its way back to what you always wanted. He killed himself, shot himself. Lucille is the one to blame. No, I am, or so he said. There's no amount of food or time to sober you up. You can't ride this high out because once it works its way through, once you go through every step, you feel every ounce of pain, or you don't. Then you come back to earth. You float on down like a plastic bag after bouncing off windshields, after being run through tires, after being thrown around by the wind, the rain, the snow. You get as high as you'll go and float back down sad and slow to a dirty sidewalk you've seen before. You lay there for a moment, but eventually another gust of wind will carry you back to go through it all over again. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag all the time? Just let me lay here with the reality of what happened. Let me smile back the tears. Let me ignore the screams in my head. He's dead, he's dead, shot himself. Do not cry, do not cry, do not cry. Or you'll just have to answer why. For Monique, we both know I wasn't crazy or a danger to Aiden, but at least you get what you wanted, me out of the way. You are just the ex-girlfriend. You meant nothing, were nothing. You didn't really exist. But you are the reason he pulled the trigger, the ultimate villain. Two plus two doesn't equal five. The story doesn't add up.
I know someone will blame me for the end to this sad story. Because what good is grief if it's not an excuse to be angry? You couldn't take a break. Instead, you had to rest. I'm lost in the sauce, hoping it'll bring you back. Can't this all just be a joke? Come listen to my comeback. I'm sorry you were alone and lost. You couldn't take a break. Instead, you had to rest. I wish you would have called. We could have just sat in silence. But now the void grows bigger. The emptiness consumes me. The silence deafens. He's dead. He died. He's passed on. He left behind his only son. It was on date two that I knew you were something special. And later you'd tell me you loved me in the Big Apple. I knew we were soulmates when you ordered pineapple on your pizza. And I was always impressed because you were my favorite teacher. We got a place, popped champagne. We laughed, we cried, we argued, we argued, we argued. I'd be patient, I'd cover you in love. And with due time, I'd find you again and you'd stay for a little but it never lasted. We argued, we argued. We had beautiful moments, don't get me wrong. We traveled, we watched our shows, we cooked good food, we went on walks. We talked about our pain, we talked about our dreams. We thought we were planting important seeds, but life is funny with its twists and turns. Quarantine showed me we had much more left to learn. None of that matters now because I'd rather remember the laughter and the smiles, the love that we watered, that we nurtured into our own little fire. As the fire grew in me, it seemed to go out in you. You gave up on life and love and happiness and no one saw the proof. He bought a house, he has a good job, he showed up to the hospital. No one saw the bottles, the yelling, the leaving, the love that turned to something hostile. This isn't my fault. I dealt with loneliness, fear, and anger. I never once did this. I never gave up on you or me or Aiden, not once. You could have called, Dwayne. I was always a phone call away. I told everyone you had a problem, and you did too. White people issues, you're being dramatic. You'd do anything for an extra buck, they'd tell you. The rides home were always silent as I held your hand and reassured you. What you felt is real please just open up. You didn't. Instead, you shut me out and beat me down. I loved as much as I could, but everyone has their limit. And my limit only came with Aiden. I had to protect the piece of you that was pure, that notorious heart we all know so much about. I never left you, and deep down you know that. You pushed so hard. You left me no choice. I offered you help, gave you an ultimatum, I always wanted you better, if not for you, for him. But you were convinced that you came from the swamp and not from love. You could have came with. You could have taken a chance. You could have chose to live. on the top. Fuck. Why are you talking like Fuck. that? <laughs> Who's that? Okay, I can name them all. Watch this. Let's cover it up. How do I cover it? And I can move it. It's fuck. <laughs> Just close out of it. All right. I don't know the first Let one Let me is. look at it. 
All right, but you gotta show me like the, the, oh, the, the picture. picture. If you or somebody you love is struggling with suicide, please call 800-273-8255. Again, that is 800-273-8255 and speak with someone who can help you today. For more information about the Bad at Life podcast and for mental health resources, please check out my show notes or follow me on Instagram at badatlifepod. That's bad at life, P-O-D. Remember, you are loved, you are needed. There is always hope and there is always help. You just have to ask. Have a wonderful week and this is Bad at Life.